Welcome to the Professional Millennials Podcast. He's Derek. And she's Tori. Let's jump right in. All right. So this week we'll give you our update on what we've been doing around here. We had Cinco de Mayo on Wednesday, which is actually two holidays in our house. Yes, it is also Hazel's birthday that we've assigned to her. Yeah, we had like a rough estimate of what her age was. And we realized that it happened to fall on the first week of May was her birth. So we're like... Why not make it Cinco de Mayo? There was a clear answer there when we found out. <laughs> I feel like if we made it May the 4th, she would definitely fall into the Sith category, not the Jedi category, but that's a whole different discussion we can have. Oh yeah, she's such a little troublemaker. So outside of Hazel and Cinco de Mayo, we did a little more landscaping work in the back. So our cucumbers, as we mentioned, have just gone insane. I think we have one that's already full size. Your mom thinks it's ready to be eaten at this point. And those spillover vines were just getting to be too much for everything else. So we bought a trellis. Hopefully it'll grow up to the top of that six-foot uh, fence. You know things are crazy when you just bought a six-foot trellis and you're like, oh, wait, I think we actually need another one for the other side of the plant because things are just that escalated back here. We definitely need a second one already. This one vine is just going to start taking over the lawn if we don't do something about it. Yeah, things are popping off and that cucumber plant is wilding out. Pretty that insane. And then that brings up another issue we have to talk about today, and that is our current feud that we have with the birds, more specifically the crows in our yard. Yeah, those crows uh, are pretty ballsy. You know, they're just up there talking to all the other birds about how good our plants look, and then they'll be like strutting their stuff, like just walking around in our backyard. Oh, the crows literally flex. I see them out there and they just spread their wings out and puff up and start making these weird noises like, oh, what's up, dude? Oh, come at me. Yeah, and like, I don't see them like hanging out in anybody else's trees. Like, we all have those big trees in the back and they're in our yard of all the yards. Well, no one else has a freaking buffet like us in their backyard. Yeah, well, we, we decided to do something about it. We grabbed our BB gun. We busted out the, the Red Rider. Yep, the same model in the Christmas story. Classic BB gun. And pretty sure we got contact on what? Two of them? Definitely. We made some serious contact there. And oh my god, is it really the one from the Christmas? Yes! I literally got it for Christmas as a kid. How cool is that? That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. So we used our Red Rider BB gun, which... Wait. Do you know what the brand is that makes those? Mm, No. I kid you not. The brand that makes the Red Rider BB gun is Daisy. Daisy oh, Air Rifles. What? How full circle. Yes. That's so cool. You were not named after a BB gun, Daisy. Don't worry. You're just a beautiful flower. But it's also cool. Oh, very cool. Badass. Yes. It's awesome. It definitely lines up with uh, with all the different daisies. Sorry to go so off topic there, but back to the bird thing. Like, they, they sit up there on that tree. I think it was just two days ago we walked out and saw that there was a bunch of bird poop on this one section of our fence right Mm -hmm. under the tree and they are seriously targeting us now as payback for the BB gun thing so like now it's war. Like they've they've also hit our fire pit twice. What? Yeah you saw those marks. I only thought they hit it once. They hit again more recently Mm -hmm. which our fire pit is not big guys it's a small maybe two foot by two foot little metal thing and i also noticed today the most recent slight that they have leveled against us what they pooped on charlie charlie is our our char griller yeah our big barbecue grill outside and they pooped on him luckily 
we take care of Charlie and we had his cover on him so it didn't hit him right in the face but still nobody likes that that's just so rude it's shitty <laughs> sorry we were literally talking about dad jokes and stuff right before we started fil- uh, recording so I think that one just like leaked right out of me oh yeah seriously and then moving away from our war with the birds shout out to our moms Mary Lou and Natalie y'all are awesome we love you so much we love you my mom isn't as close as Tori's mom, so we didn't get to see my mom, but we saw Tori's mom had a nice brunch with her, and I sent my mom a Mother's Day gift something that we're both into now, which is gardening, so we can both kind of share that hobby, and it was fun talking to her about our two different gardens and different stages. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day, you guys. Love you. We wouldn't have this podcast without them. Seriously. And my mom actually brought a gift for us when she came over. Mm-hmm. She brought us a Roomba to try out. That, that was pretty funny. Of course, we're just borrowing theirs, but uh, just to see if we like it enough to get one for ourselves. Uh, I can say that it was completely filled up after about 30 minutes, thanks to Daisy. Yeah. But the Roomba seems super practical, and I definitely have a great first impression from it. So we'll probably get that, but enough about... Us, we are all caught up here, so let's jump into our topic. This week's topic is going to be warehouse or vertical farming. I'm sure some of you haven't heard of that, but with the global population exploding in the past 50, 60 years and the amount of farmable land staying the exact same, something's had to change. So as I alluded to a little bit previously, if you look at the population of the world since about 1950, we've gone from around 3 or 4 billion people in the world to well over 7 billion. And some people think we're going to be hitting 15 billion by 2100. I know it seems a long way off, but that's doubling the world's population again. That actually sounds insane. Isn't it kind of hard to believe that around World War II there were less than half as many people in the world. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, and then like I also mentioned, the amount of arable or farmable land hasn't changed at all. So you have the same amount of area to work with to grow food and raise livestock. And despite what you see on the news, global climates have not changed that much and definitely not enough to change what can and cannot be cultivated for different crops. So vertical farming is a new way to increase food production. So many farmers boast much larger harvests per square foot when compared to outdoor row farming because depending on the crop that you pick, a lot of them aren't that tall. You can stack them shelf over shelf so you get layers of crops, whereas row farming would just be that one you have in the ground. Mm -hmm. So obviously this type of farming also comes with a unique set of challenges. Due to the little to no sunlight you can get indoors, it has to have the right type of lights to enable your plants to grow. So there are different spectrums of red and blue light that plants want. So to like mimic natural. Light yeah, exactly. As close get, as they can. You look at that sun cycle because okay. you know throughout the day, in the morning or in the evening, it's not the same kind of light that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So you want to get that going. But what does that take a lot of? Electricity. Exactly. It takes a lot of power to keep these lights going for such a long amount of time. Because another part of it is that you can, in many places, grow year round. So think about that. There's no winter you have to deal with if you're indoors. Any time of year is growing season. Yep. So that is the bottleneck for this type of farming. 
some different companies are developing some cool systems actually that have like sensors and cameras. So it watches the growth and then it weighs the output and the harvest based on what types of light they're using. So trying to maximize it that way too. Oh wow, and like integrate robots and yeah. automation as much as possible. Yep, but of course if you're using robots that does also take more power. So there are some that use robots for har harvesting, but it's not that common. Oh, okay. Um, the other issues are that water consumption as well has to be pretty high. And if you're in an urban area, you usually get charged more than in a rural area where you're farming. But like we were talking about with your mom today, there's a lot of different grants you can get through the government to do urban farming. So the one here in Austin, I think, is going to be getting around half a million at least in government funding. On, and that's going to help out with their project they're trying to get going. Yeah, that'll go a long way. Now, this can be a game changer for a lot of urban areas like we were talking about. There is a 70,000 square foot warehouse in Newark, New Jersey, which is claiming to produce 2 million pounds of greens each year. 2 million? Yep, 2 wow. million. So again, the greens are something that don't take a very long amount of time to get to maturity. They don't need that much water, and they can also stack them because, you know, things like lettuce, heads of lettuce don't grow straight up like corn does. Oh, so really utilizing, like, the entire area. Yeah, imagine, yeah. like, bookshelves of plants just throughout. That must look pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. All the different lights and everything in there, and they have the irrigation systems. It's a super intricate way to farm, but even rural farming has become a lot more advanced in recent years. Uh, you know, Michael went to Penn State, and they have a huge agricultural portion of their school to help maximize output. So all the stuff that they're growing there, are they, like, I guess, able to control and make it all organic? I mean, there's no insects and stuff. Yeah, so that's awesome is that you don't have to use a lot of the weed killers or a lot of the uh, pesticides because they're not going to get in there as easily. There are still some they have to use. I remember I saw some information about growing mushrooms indoors, and sometimes they will have some bacteria crop up on it, so they have to use a little bit. But you can cut down on some of those chemicals. That's super cool. Yeah, so organic farming can now be done in all of these you know, super urban areas. You have access to it now in a lot more areas. That is the way of the future. You know, Costco is really picking up all these organics. Number it's, one. Yeah, oh, number one. And it's just the trend, the way of the future. Like, why are we, why would you not eat organic, you know? Yep, we're seeing so many things come out with like Roundup causing lymphoma. Monsanto had to pay out billions for that. So people are getting more and more aware of these toxins around them. There's also some areas nearby in Brooklyn, and they're actually growing on top of rooftops. So they might all of a sudden let the tops of those skyscrapers get. There's nothing obstructing them, but they're obstructing the ground. So just rethinking how you're going to use it. That is a very creative idea. Yep. And what else do you see in a lot of those urban areas, especially on the coast, is shipping containers. We've seen shipping containers used to build habitats for people, and now they're actually using shipping containers to grow crops. It's recycling, right? Yeah, keep using something. If it's there, may as well make some good use out of it. Now, like I mentioned earlier, corn is not a crop that's easy to grow in this vertical or warehouse farming habitat for two reasons. One, the growth cycle takes about five months to get up to maturity to make that one ear of corn. So you can get maybe two cycles in a year and then start preparing for the next one. 
And what's the other issue with corn? It's tall. Exactly. So you can't stack as many. You really couldn't do more than a couple of them in a row. So there aren't many carbs or starches that are as easy to grow in warehouses. There aren't many that have things like wheat. Maybe that's not such a bad thing with Americans being so so accustomed to the standard American diet. Sad, you know. Yep. I mean, it's not a bad thing to cut down on the carbs a little bit, but the issue, again, that we were talking about is with the population going way up and the amount of farming area not changing, we still need to get, you know, calorie sources to people. And so things like potatoes, corn, those work well. I think potatoes would work in a, a warehouse environment, but they too have a fairly slow life cycle. So it wouldn't be too many rounds each year, but that would be the way to go. And potatoes can go so many ways. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't get sick of potatoes eating them every day for a year probably. Think about french fries, potato chips, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, vodka. (laughs) Vodka. Yeah, you've got options there for sure. It's like the other vegetables aren't even trying. It seems like the best mix for warehouse farming is like 80% greens, 20% herbs because these crops turn really fast, they grow year-round, and it's also higher per pound value, so it covers the labor, it covers the power, it covers all those costs. And it's pretty cool that we can at least start shifting a lot of the produce in that area as far as greens and herbs indoors, and then maybe we can use the outdoors for more of those longer life cycle crops. What do you think? I think that's a pretty good idea. Honestly, I really think that anything we can do to conserve any part of the arable land is a win for planet Earth. (laughs) Yeah, like the topic kind of started with our population skyrocketing and the amount of farmable area isn't changing, so we have to conserve that and use other ways to grow crops that we haven't in the past. But you said that we should do anything we can to conserve it. Have you heard about one of the newest superfood crazes? Oh, tell me, what? Insects. Oh. So you, you said anything. So you down to try some? Well, don't we need insects to keep the ecosystem running? Yeah, there are definitely a lot that are, you know, a big part of you know, the food chain and the ecosystem. But places like the Seattle Mariners baseball stadium serves toasted grasshoppers. Ew. I'm not even kidding. And people actually eat these things. What? There's like chipotle lime buffalo ranch they just they flavor them up imagine it like popcorn a little crunchy how many are they getting at once like a little a little bucket like a little like popcorn oh my god i need to see this yeah oh yikes that must be so crunchy i can imagine like just later on you're like finding a little grasshopper leg and stuck between your teeth like well it's just oh. like a little bowl of them Oh, gosh, guys, do not Google this. Do yourself a favor and just don't. That is gross. Maybe this is why the Seattle Mariners haven't made the playoffs in so many years. Yeah, people are just enjoying it. It's them. like a large shot glass of... <laughs> I wonder if anybody's oh, ever... Or like just... a small cup. I mean, like <sighs> a cup of soup size or a little cardboard container you get for, like, your fries at a baseball game. Wow, you need to insert the throw-up noise here from Turn Up or Throw Up because this is a huge throw-up. This is not it. So you're saying you don't want to conserve the land in any way possible. I think grasshoppers belong in the grass, and we shouldn't be eating them all off at baseball games in freaking Seattle. What the hell, Seattle? 
I know some weird shit is happening in Washington, but like honestly, this was like one of the last things I would have expected. Just saying. Yep. So it's a thing, guys. Don't check it out. You don't want to have any nightmares about grasshoppers. And I think that we can officially wrap up our topic. Yeah, I'm done with that. All right, y'all. Not the best transition to go from the topic to the dog, but here we go with our dog of the week. And this week we are going overseas again. We're going to Great Britain where a dog named Hell, H-E-L, is being praised as a gift from heaven after he helped rescue a newborn baby boy abandoned in a park. His owner was walking him, giving his husky a little bit of exercise because those dogs need a lot of it. And suddenly his dog stumbled into a bush and started sniffing some blankets. And under this pile of blankets, the owner, Terry, heard a cry. He couldn't believe it, so he nudged his husky out of the way and realized that they woke the baby up and someone had abandoned it here in this bush. Now, the baby was found on St. George's Day, so they gave him the name George, and he is stable and healthy in the hospital. However, authorities are trying to find the mother and father to figure out why this baby was left in the bush. Hopefully, the parents are okay. Hopefully it was just a misunderstanding. It's really sad to see a baby abandoned there, but Hell using that special sniffer to find this baby. Thank goodness Hell sniffed him out because who knows what the fate could have been otherwise if he was hidden in a bush. Yeah, it sounds a little sketchy to me that it was in a bush. You know, it wasn't. Doesn't sound like it was near the path, as if Hell was wandering off towards this bush to find something and smelled the baby. And I mean, how long would that baby have been without Hell coming by to save the day? Oh, Hell is such a cute puppy. Wow. Yes, very cute white husky. So it's a good thing that they need a lot of exercise because it came in handy. Yeah. Wow, save the day. Turn up or throw up time. Sorry, just my favorite segment. I get a little excited. Get a little hype. So this one's a little all over the place, so bear with me, everybody. Derek, turn up or throw up? Bees. Oof, this one is hard. I am deeply weighing the pros and the cons of the bees, and I will have to answer, turn up. Turn up for the bees. I actually had an amazing encounter with a bee today. As I was fixing our cucumbers on our new trellis, one flew right up like a couple inches from my hand, started hitting the flowers, pollinating those things like crazy, bouncing around that pollen for us so we can get even more cucumbers, and he did his thing, I did my thing, no hard feelings. There's also a movie called Bees with Jerry Seinfeld that's pretty funny. So, turn up. Turn up. <laughs> All right. Turn up or throw up. H-E-B grocery store. Turn up. They got some great food over there for sure. And they have a lot of stuff under their own name similar to how Costco has Kirkland's. And it's good quality with the uh, H-E-B foods that we've had. Agreed. All right. Turn up or throw up. Fertilizer. Throw up. I think it's best if you can do it from the land. I saw that Epic Gardening guy, he had wood chunks all chopped up and tried some natural nitrogen that way. and Composting. and Yeah, without having to add anything that's been processed, I think would be the best way. But of course, I am not most excited when you come to the topic of manure. So some of those more natural ways aren't always the most fun to deal with. So a throw up for sure, though. All right, what about organic produce? Turn up, big time turn up. 
organic food just tastes so much better, so much more natural. Agreed. Organic all the way, baby. What about a farmer's market? Turn up or throw up? Throw up. <clears throat> Not the biggest fan of the farmer's market. You can get some good deals sometimes. But I feel like the last one that we used to go to in Florida for a while, like that just seemed like it was public setting up a stand. I don't know. I don't really get the whole farm-to-table type feel. How about you? You didn't like it? You didn't think it was like from somebody's farm? Well, it's obviously from somebody's farm. <laughs> I don't think somebody's growing it in their backyard like us. You just said you didn't get the farm-to-table vibe. Explain it, it that a little more. It felt like more commercial farming than local farming. Okay. It was a good deal. I liked it. I'm not saying it's... I have to pick turn up or throw up, and I wasn't I know, I know. Well, you asked me my opinion. I'm just yeah. saying, in general, that's a turn and up your opinion's for me. wrong. Oh. <laughs> okay, agree to disagree. Anyway. Yep. Turn up or throw up. Eating, takeout. Turn up. I know you just said that. We should get takeout. <laughs> yeah, I'm craving takeout right now. It's Sunday evening. We didn't plan dinner. This is a really bad look coming off of our meal prep episode. Hey, we uh, did plan dinner. I have it <laughs> scheduled out. You just Oh, you did. you have tonight's dinner scheduled out? Yes, sir. Okay, well, we'll have that tomorrow. We can take out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still on the same page with takeout. See, out. we still work in one day a week at least where we do takeout with our meal prep. Yeah, this makes up for not eating out on Friday, so got to balance it out. Next one for you. Ladybugs turn up or throw up? throw up unpopular opinion possibly a hot take i think they bring nothing to the table they're just like awkward and bulbous yeah i don't think they i don't know what their benefits would be if they have that. people say they bring good luck but do they do they throw up i don't know all right gmo produce i'm gonna go with throw up mainly because a lot of the research i've seen shows that the bigger the fruit the less dense the nutrients aka a small organic apple and a massive GMO apple have the same amount of nutrients. It's just like watered down. Yikers! That's getting edited out. <laughs> I like the yikers. Say it again. Yikers! No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just squealing. Okay, back to reality here. Whole foods. Turn up or throw up? Throw up. <clears throat> I think it's overpriced. I don't think it's worth it. Have you I've, ever been there in person? Yes, I've been <laughs> okay. there. I've, like, gone grocery shopping there. I've done the hot food there. I don't know what you want from me. You're H E B guy, that's all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm more of a Publix guy. When you got to a Oh, grocery... you like paying over... <laughs> you like being... <laughs> look, they do high prices, <laughs> but you got to look for the BOGO deals, and you weigh yourself on the way out. You're so weird. Oh, my god! It's a Florida thing. If you don't live in Florida, you're just like, what are they talking we about? We have a skill at Also, home. the pub sub. Oh, but H-E-B food is good. And Whole Foods has food. I think it's overpriced. ramen bar. I think the Whole Foods is overrated stuff. Like Wegmans, high quality, high price. Totally. Give me some Wegmans prepared foods. Whole Foods? Makes me think of Subway, where it's like, eat fresh, but it's not. Oh, yeah, they do, like, use canola oil. Whole Foods is, they use their name a lot. Like, oh, it's Whole Foods, it must be healthy, but no, it's it's, it's still not, you know, in many ways. I feel you, you're seeing through their their stuff, huh? Turn up or throw up, crows. Throw up. 
God, these stupid crows. Dude, I hate the crows. <laughs> I feel like Tormund. Like, I hate crows. I want to kill the crows. No oh, that's crows. good. Like that reference? That, I love that reference. Yeah, Game of Thrones, baby. All my Game of Thrones peeps listening, you get it. You know. Team Tormund. Well, it's another great turn up or throw up, huh? Yeah. What's next? Deal? You got it. This week's Deal of the Week was brought to my attention by YouTuber Mark Granite. So shout out to you, dude. You rock. I the love The deal your, guy. The deal guy. He uh, let me know that if you go to Sam's Club, they're running a promotion where if you buy $60 worth of products made by Procter & Gamble, then you're eligible to get a $15 gift card. And each person can do this up to two times for a total of $30 in gift card. So that is pretty awesome. Uh, we love free money when you're going to buy those products anyways, especially if you're like new parents, you're buying diapers, you want cleaning products. I mean, it's spring, spring cleaning. It's the time to, to buy these products. So check that out at your local Sam's Club. You heard the ukulele. It is time for On the Bright Side. I have a crazy story for you here. It all started when a plane departed Salt Lake City headed to Honolulu. When the plane took off, Lavi Munga was headed for a family vacation, but she had no idea she was about to get a big surprise. This soon-to-be mom had no idea she was 29 weeks pregnant. Oh, what a shocker. <laughs> yes. We're talking, she is months and months in she is well along in this pregnancy. Zero idea. Like more than halfway. Yes, way past 100%. halfway. About 39 weeks is full term, so she's 10 weeks away. Oh, wow. Honey, you're towards the end. Well, halfway through, the crew made an announcement seeking out any doctors on the plane. Believe it or not, Dr. Dale Glenn of Hawaii Pacific Health, who was sitting just behind her, came to help. Now get this, there was not one, not two, but three. Babies? No. <laughs> that would be insane. How do you not know, Lavi? There are three neonatal nurses, Lanny Bloomfield, Amanda Beating, and Mimi Ho. They all work in Kansas City's hospital, again, in the neonatal ICU. That is absurd. So, these four are on the scene trying to deliver a baby, but they have no equipment. They're on a plane headed for Honolulu. So, they came up with some creative solutions to keep the baby stable. They used some wilderness training and some ingenuity using shoelaces, microwaved warming bottles, someone used an Apple Watch as a heart rate monitor, and the newborn made it to Hawaii in good form. Oh my gosh, that's insane. They're over the ocean, so they can't even make an emergency landing anywhere. Literally. Whoa. Like, it was, they said it almost happened exactly in the middle of the flight. Like, what do you do, turn around? No. Keep going? I guess so. Wow, these professionals literally <laughs> saved that baby's life with their ingenuity. Mm -hmm. This is so insane. This is going to be a vacation they never forget. It's like they were meant to be on that plane for this baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, three separate nurses. What are the odds of that? Neonatal you know ICU. I mean? Wow. So it's a happy story in the end. Her whole family's excited. 
The baby is doing well. They had a medical response team who was right there on the tarmac, so they got deplaned first. And this preemie, Raymond, was placed in the neonatal intensive care unit where it's been reported he's doing fine. So, again, a happy story in the end and just an amazing coincidence to have those four professionals ready to roll. So when they fill out the birth certificate, where do you think they're going to put? Like, probably Hawaii, the first land he was ever on, or? I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. Or was he born over international waters, so he's like a pirate? <laughs> oh, man. No laws. We'll have to follow the story. Yeah, so we'll try to check in with Raymond, see how they're doing. Uh, there was a GoFundMe set up by her the mom's sisters since there was no baby shower because they didn't know there was a baby they're trying to fill in someone's expenses for everything they need for their new nephew who is now going to have to come fly home thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of professional millennials podcast he's Derek she's Tori have a great week 